some scripture here this morning. Uh, sometimes people feel like, oh, you ought to just skip that. No, no, the reading of the Word of God is so important. Uh, it's not my words. It's not my wisdom. It's God's Word, God's wisdom that we long for here today. And I want to read there starting in Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, this is speaking of John the Baptist here, uh, he sent two of his disciples. And he said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? This is the question that John the Baptist sent to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have their, the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, <clears throat> Jesus began to say unto the uh, multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that uh, wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet. Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet, for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way <clears throat> before thee. Verily I say unto you, and this is, again, Jesus speaking of John the Baptist, I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. And if ye will receive it, this is Elias, which was uh, for to come. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. But whereunto shall I liken this generation? It is like unto children sitting in the markets and calling unto their fellows and saying, We have piped unto you, and ye have not danced. We have mourned unto you, and ye have not uh, lamented. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he hath a devil. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Behold, a man gluttonous and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. But wisdom is justified of her children. Then began he to abrade the cities, wherein most of his mighty works were done, because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, uh, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we ask for your help as we look into your word. Be with me, the preacher here today. Anoint me with your power. Help me to preach with boldness and with clarity and with thy power. I also pray for everyone sitting in the pew that they would be filled with thy spirit to be able to hear, understand, and to be able to, able to apply these truths to their lives. 
so we honor you, Lord. We, that's our plan. That's our desire to bring glory to your name. And there's nothing more that we can do that would bring greater glory than just to be obedient to you today. So you have your way. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now I want to talk about this experience here of John the Baptist. Here he is, a man of God, languishing in prison. Now why in the world is John the Baptist in prison? What great crime did he do that sent him to prison? Now we're talking about several other individuals that have been in prison. But you know what John did? He preached the truth. That's why he's in prison. He didn't break any laws as far as he didn't harm anyone. He didn't uh, 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 destroy property. He didn't rob a bank. No, he was preaching the truth. And it seems that Herod, King Herod, what had happened in his case, he had taken his brother's wife. Now, Herod had no morals, no, no values at all. He did want it. That's how he viewed his position as the king in that region. He said, I want it, I take it. He took his own brother's wife and um, a woman named Herodias. Of course, she wasn't any better than he as far as morals. But he marries her when she was still the wife of his brother. So John, one day, is there where Herod is, and he preaches straight to the king. And he tells them how wicked this is that it's a violent, unlawful relationship that they're in. Now, Herod was upset. Herodias was wanting to kill him. And in fact, uh, they, in fact, I believe if you look into the book of Luke in chapter 3 and Matthew 14, you'll see in that passage, that's exactly what Herod's plan was, was to kill John the Baptist right after this. Oh, he could do what he wanted, but when he starts bringing it home, personal to me, not going to have that. And so he's going to kill him. In fact, Herod, he would have executed him, but he feared the people. He feared the public. Why? Because they really felt that John the Baptist was a prophet sent by the Lord. And they were right. But he said, if I do anything to him, then all the people are going to be against me. And so he was politically minded, and that's exactly what the route he went. He did not kill him at that time. Now, we all know later on, Herodias had a part in uh, seeing John the Baptist put to death, but... While in this prison, John the Baptist began to have some, well, I guess you could say he began to doubt. And he had some concerns about who Jesus was and, and what Jesus was actually doing here on earth. And so like John, many of us have been in a similar prison as, as far as in the doubts in our minds. We have been trapped in a, a situation where we begin to question God where we begin to listen to the voice of the devil and listen to the, our own hearts, and we begin to doubt some things. Now, uh, in fact, during those times of doubt and fear, uh, you know, you may be doubting your own salvation. You may be doubting if God is real. And, and, but here's some questions that may come to your mind. Am I really saved? Those of you who are saved, you may question that. When you're in that place of doubt, am I really secure? What, what if I made a mistake? What if, what if Jesus isn't really the way to heaven? What if the Muslims or the Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons or the whosoever, what if they're right and I'm wrong? What if the Bible is not really the word of God? What if God can't really take care of me and meet my needs? Those are the kind of things that come to our minds when we're in that place of doubt, that prison of doubt, as John the Baptist. 
And, and now, a lot of us, we may not talk about that, but I dare say there's many of you here, maybe even right now, that are going through some doubts in your mind. You're not sure. You know what I find? Here's John the Baptist. We'll see this in a moment. But he's separated from Jesus Christ. He's separated from everyone. He's in prison. And, and it's kind of like what we do when we backslide. We stop going to church. We stop reading the Bible. And boy, the doubts start rolling in. We're separated from all those things that God tells us we ought to be a part of. And we begin to doubt. We begin to question. And so I want to encourage you to, to uh, get back with God by getting into his word, just taking his word a, as it is. Believe it. And so now, mo again, uh, most people wouldn't admit they're in those doubts, but um, if we allow those questions to come to our mind, a lot of times it's because we're in that place of doubt already. We're in that place of where we ought not be. And so that's where John was. And Jesus sent John just what he needed him, or just what John needed, to be persuaded of the truth. And, I, and the Lord does the same for us. So you may be here, and like a Thomas, you're doubting. You have questions. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. John the Baptist was a great man of God and, and, and did some wonderful things, was a martyr for the Lord. But he had some doubts and that, so if, if you're in that place, then you find yourself in, maybe in the future, you find your place, your, your, yourself in that prison of doubt. The truths taught in this, these verses here that we just read are going to help you get out of that place or to avoid that place. So let's notice here this, uh, uh, as we're talking about John the Baptist, this prison of doubt. What, and while he's there in prison, and while we may find ourselves, and you remember, a prison, when you're there, if you, and oh, thank God, I've never had to experience one uh, being locked up like that. But when you're there in a, a, a literal prison, as John was, your freedom has been taken away. You no longer can do what you used to do. You don't have that freedom. But here's what this prison can produce. In verses 2 to 3 in chapter 11, John had heard, the prison, uh, heard in the prison the works of Christ. So it produces questions here. And this is the question he asked there in verse 3. Are thou, art thou he that should come? Or do we look for another? Jesus, are you the Messiah? Or do we look for another? Now, this is amazing. Uh, it, here, John had come to doubt the very person of Jesus Christ. This is the same John that boldly stood even before the king and preached the truth and confidently said when he saw Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God that has come to take away the sins of the world. There was no doubt. There was no confusion in the message of John, but now he finds himself in this place. You remember John? He was not a city folk. He was country. He, was, he lived in the desert. That coat of, that skin of camel hair and the, eating uh, locusts and stuff like this. This John was not your refined city abider. And uh, he was used to open spaces. Now he's confined to this cell. Can you imagine? After having such freedom, after being in, in the wide open space to be locked up in a cell. And by the way, 
those cells were nothing like we have today. Uh, definitely a, a, a worse position than, than what we find others in today. But John, here he, this was a time when there was, was uh, before he came to this prison, there was no doubt in his mind who Jesus was, but now he begins to doubt. The questions come in. And so not only does this prison produce questions, but it produces separation. I've already talked about that, but John discovered that absence does not make the heart grow fonder. Verse 2 says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, so he's locked up. He's separated from everything that he knew. He could no longer see the Lord Jesus. He cannot see Jesus heal uh, the blind, the deaf, the, uh, and raise the dead. He cannot see these things as Jesus ministers in his area. He could no longer hear the Lord's voice preaching to him, teaching the word to him. He cannot hear that in prison. John is separated from the sights and sounds of the ministry of Jesus Christ, and his heart has become clouded with doubt and questions. So another thing it produces is action. Now, I want you to see this. John, what did John do in this prison? I'll tell you one thing he did not do. He didn't just give up. Hey, he did, we don't find him crying in the corner here. And I, I, I think clearly what we see that John, uh, those doubts did arise in his heart, but he did the right thing. He knew he had to get to Jesus. And that's where he did the right thing. He turned to Jesus to find the answers he needed. Let me tell you, friend, if you're here this morning and you're not sure what to do, where to go, you're confused, you're, you're doubting, Turn to Jesus Christ. He has the answers in his word. He will clarify the confusion. He, he will give you confidence. Oh, trust in the Lord Jesus today. Well, John did. He, he, he sent for Jesus to get word from him. Instead of wandering around and worrying, walking back and forth in this prison, uh, John turns his efforts toward getting the answer from the Lord. That's what I advise you to do today as well. That's where help will be found in the time of doubt. And then, fourthly, it produced wrong thinking. Again, John separated. Has there been a time in your life, Christian, where you got away from God, quit going to church, quit reading the Bible? Boy, it just, it, it just felt like you were um, so distant from the Lord. And that your prayers weren't going anywhere but to the ceiling. And it just seemed like nothing was the same. And you became discouraged. And I, I think there are many reasons here. Uh, but there are at least, um, I want to share three of them with you why uh, John became, uh, uh, began to doubt. Why he, we got to the place where he began to ask some questions here. Number one, it's discouragement. John was used, to, again, to being free, to being out in the open. Now he's locked up. His freedom has been taken away. This confinement in, in a situation he could not change. He couldn't change it. And it, it, it caused him to begin to entertain these thoughts that he normally wouldn't have had. That's what happens when we get away from God, when we sometimes we willingly lock ourselves up in this cell of, uh, of doubt. And we get away from God, and, and, and we feel like uh, we begin to uh, entertain those questions that the devil poses to us. And we begin to question God. How many times 
have you found yourself in a situation like that? We find ourselves in a situation we cannot change. We find ourselves with a problem that we cannot solve. We find ourselves in a prison which, again, we cannot escape from on our own. And so when that happens, like John, we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt. Beware of discouragement. I don't think us would be able to say, oh, I've never been discouraged. Never happened to me. Don't have to worry about it. Well, if you haven't, I'm sure it's going to happen. In this old world, it's going to happen. But it can cause you to doubt everything that you know and believe. Now, let me also insert here. Just because you might be in a place like John was, and you begin to question God, and you begin to doubt, let me tell you what has not changed, the truth. It hasn't changed at all. You still are a child of God. Oh, but I don't know if I'm really saved. Even if you're questioning that, God hasn't disowned you. If you put your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation, you are his regardless of what you think. You say, well, I don't really know if I have eternal life. Again, it has no bearing on it, what you think or I think or I believe. It all hinges on what God has said in his word. I give unto them eternal life. They'll never perish. And so there it is. Uh, but it, it, th th these are things that we need to hear when we become discouraged. But another thing that got him to the place of doubt was disappointment. Surely, John, maybe he imagined in his heart that Jesus was going to come any moment, going to bust through the, the gate here and, and free me from this prison. After all, Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus could do anything. John knew this. And surely he could have set John free, couldn't he? He had done it for others. And when Jesus didn't come to the rescue, maybe he began to, to become discouraged. And he began to doubt. After all, you know, the Bible tells us that was one of the ministries of the Messiah. Let me read in Isaiah 61, verse 1. It's also recorded in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty or freedom to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. So John knew this, and John said, oh, I, I'm waiting. It's going to happen. Sure it is. A day went by. It didn't happen. And all of a sudden, those doubts began to uh, creep into his heart and mind. We probably wouldn't admit it, but when the Lord doesn't do what we think he should do or what he, we think he will do, we, um, or maybe it's what we ask him to do and, and God didn't do what I asked him to do and there was a tendency for us to become disappointed with God he didn't do what I wanted him to do have you ever thought something like this the Lord did this for so-and-so why didn't he do it for me why doesn't he do it for me he did it for this person I know. I heard about a story over there where God moved in a miraculous way in their life. Why not me? He become disappointed. Maybe you're here and you're disappointed. Disappointment can lead to doubt if you're not careful. Then a third thing, disillusionment. John, as it says here, he heard the works of Christ. 
So as the reports filtered into the prison about what Jesus had been doing, the miracles of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus, John was waiting for the big news. He was waiting for the day when he would come and, and someone would say, John, Jesus is the Messiah. Why, he not only heals the sick, he raises the dead, he calls the blind to see, but now he's about to come into Rome and conquer Rome and set us free. You understand that a lot of Christians thought that at that time, that the Messiah would come, defeat Rome, and they would be free from the uh, bondage of Rome, and they uh, would be once again at the top of the, the uh, rung there with, uh, uh, among people. But this is not what Jesus was doing, and that yet his mind was thinking on these things. John found himself locked in this prison, this prison of doubt, because he listened to the, his own doubts and his own fears. You and I do the same thing. When we get to that place, this place of disillusionment, where we thought this is the way it should be, this is the way that God should do this in my life, and it doesn't happen that way. And we become disillusioned, and, and we begin to, to, to think in the wrong way. Listen, you cannot trust your eyes. Don't... Because your eyes doesn't see everything. You can't trust what you feel. Um, we are called in our lives to walk by faith, not by sight. You certainly cannot trust your heart. Do you realize the Bible says your heart is a liar? I know that goes against everything we've always heard and felt. You know, I've shared before. How many of you, I'm sure you've all heard it in the movies. Just follow your heart. They've got a difficult decision to make, and they're trying to figure out what to do. Oh, just follow your heart. It doesn't tell us to do that. The Bible says your heart's a liar. Let me read it to you um, in the Word of God, Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful, deceiving you above all things, it says, Jeremiah says. So we must come to the place where we simply trust, trust the Lord, even when we're not sure what he's doing. Even when we cannot see any good coming from the situation we're in. Trust him. Often during the trials of our lives, we'll not see the Lord do the things that we think he should do. Um, but our problem, like John's, is we fail to see the big picture. John did not understand that Jesus would die, that he would rise again the third day, that he would ascend back into heaven, that thousands of years would pass before he actually uh, ascends the throne on this earth as uh, king of kings and lord of lords. And in our lives, we don't see the big picture. We don't see how all of these things can work together for our good, but God does. God sees the full picture. We don't always see everything that God is doing. He knows more than we'll ever know about the very situation we're in. And so we must trust him or disillusionment will occur. I praise the Lord that God does not sugarcoat, sugarcoat the saints in the Word of God. As you read about the men and women in Scripture, God doesn't, and that tells you one thing, this is an inspired book. Because if we were writing about ourselves, I, I mean, we have the tendency, believe it or not, we have the tendency to make it all sound good. Why? You know, we were so smart, the wisdom was beyond uh, any man or woman. 
and we, uh, uh, we were all, all the good qualities. But here in the Bible, it gives you the good, the bad, and the ugly. I mean, you see it all. And, and I'm glad of that be, because we uh, see here in the Word of God how these people dealt with the same things that we're dealing with and how God helped them in that difficult time. And uh, so the, the doubts that have gripped John's heart here, uh, he hears these uh, doubts coming into his heart and mind, and, and he responds with, and, and, and I want you to see that John responded with doubt, but Jesus, how did Jesus respond when he knew one of his choice servants was doubting him, was questioning him? Well, he doesn't rebuke him. He responds with love. Many would have acted in anger. Many would expect that Jesus would say, well, who does John think he is? Questioning me. I mean, I am king of kings and lord of lords. How dare he question me? That's not what Jesus did. Not at all. He responds with love. Um, I thought about Elijah. You ever find your, yourself in a place of depression like Elijah was? I, I, now, Elijah, when I think of Elijah, I think of Mount Carmel, the fire coming down from heaven, a great victory over all the, uh, the false prophets. But not long after that, just days, in fact, we find Elijah completely depressed at the place where he's defeated. He's discouraged. He's disillusioned, and he says, Lord, just take my life. Basically, he was praying that God would just kill him. Notice how tenderly and with what grace the Lord, how he ministered unto Elijah. I, I don't, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at all these scriptures, but I encourage you to go to 1 Kings later on and read about the story of Elijah, about his, yes, his great victory on Mount Carmel, but his time in that cave in chapter 19 of 1 Kings where he questions God and where he just says, Lord, take me home. Did not rebuke Elijah, he ministered to him. You can see that in the in chapter 19. God did not write him off, he reaffirmed his call. He said, Elijah, I'm not done with you. And he reaffirms his call. God did not yell at him, he spoke tenderly to him. God did not give his ministry to another, he gave Elijah a fresh assignment. God did not allow his, his doubts to continue. He uh, set the record straight uh, with a very pointed word of encouragement to Elijah. And God, uh, you know, here we may be asking, well, what's the point? What, he, we, uh, uh, you know, demonstrate here the, that, uh, that uh, why God done this in our lives. We, we want to protest against God. We, wanna, we want to blame God. And, uh, uh, and, and just as Elijah was doing here, and, but God always, shows his love for us, tenderness to us. And he will, in your case, wherever you are, he will come to us. He'll minister to us there where we are. Um, Hebrews 13, 5 says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will give sufficient grace for our needs. Paul found that out. My grace, the Lord says, is sufficient. And it is. And he will stand by us, enable us to go on for his glory. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He will speak peace to our troubled hearts. So thank God 
that we serve a patient God of love, mercy, and grace. And then I, I want you to see another thing that Jesus um, gives to, to John the Baptist here in verses 4 and 5, assure, this assurance from Jesus. What do we need we're in, we're, when we're in that prison of doubt? We need some assurances. And that's what Jesus does here. I, in verses 4 and 5, G, Jesus answered. Um, he didn't write him off. He didn't rebuke him. He said, go and show him again these things. And so he, he merely pointed John back to the word of God. And so basically Jesus uh, reported all the things he was doing, and he seemed to be saying to John, John, just go back and get into the Bible. That's what he told those to, that were going to see him. Tell him to get back into the Bible, read the Bible. And what about you? You're doubting, you're, you're, you're maybe angry, you're confused. Get into the Word of God. Oh, the Word of God will help you. It'll clarify, it'll, it'll uh, give you the confidence that you need, that assurance that you need. And Jesus seems to be saying here, tell John that I am the Messiah. Tell John that I'm doing everything that the prophet said I would do. Tell John that I am fulfilling the word of my Father in, in, and, and I'm doing what God the Father wants me to do in part now, but I will fulfill the rest when that appointed time comes. I am he. I am the one that you look for. Tell John to study the book and he will see for himself. And so I would say to you, get in the Bible for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Look at, at the word of God and find the assurance you need in the times of doubt and confusion. The Bible is the absolute, absolute cure for our doubts. Read the word. Have faith in the God that will do everything he has promised he would do. If it hasn't occurred yet, it will. He will do what he's promised he will do. Everything is promised will come to pass. Let the Bible be uh, the, the one thing that will cure your doubts. Then a, another, a third thing here that John the Baptist needed, and this admonishment from Jesus. Maybe that's what you need this morning as well. Look at verse 6. And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Now this is the same admonition that Jesus gave to doubting Thomas, as we call him. Uh, when, remember, Thomas wouldn't, he questioned the resurrection. He could not believe that he saw Jesus die. He saw his blood running down the cross. He, he saw them take the dead body from the grave or from the cross and take it to the grave. And they rolled the stone. He saw the death of his Savior. He wouldn't, he just couldn't believe it. And uh, in John chapter 20, verse 27, the Lord wants John to know uh, here that he, he, he does not have uh, all the answers. And he was saying to Thomas, Thomas, you, you don't have all the answers. He wants John to believe in spite of the mysteries of life, in spite of uh, the things that you may not know yet, John. He wants John's faith to be in Jesus in spite of what his eyes see, uh, in spite of how his heart feels. And, and all the, his senses may say otherwise. And he's telling John here uh, that just to have faith in me, have faith in Jesus. He wants John to believe him, to simply trust him by faith. So that's what Jesus wants for all of us as well. Look, we can't trust our feelings. We can't follow our hearts. 
we have the absolute truth of God's word. The greatest questions that often go unanswered, the greatest question is why? Why does God allow a little baby to die? Why does God allow good people to suffer? Why, why, why? And we have all of these questions. We will never have the answer to all of those questions, by the way. But if we allow our hearts and our minds to dwell on them, we'll find our place in this prison of doubt. And, and uh, we'll be there uh, where we begin to question God. We may become like Asaph in Psalm 73 where he said, Lord, and I'm paraphrasing here basically what he was saying there. He's looked around and he saw the wicked, those that did not even believe in God, how they were being blessed. They had everything. And here I am trying to do right, trying to live for God, and I have all these problems. But then it says that the latter part of that, to the house of the temple, till I, I went to God's house, and I saw their end, that is the end of the wicked, was hell. And it, oh, it puts a different perspective on things. We may go through the sufferings of life here on this earth. None of us are exempt from it. But one thing we have that the rest of the world does not have, we have God. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're not alone in that valley. You're not alone in that darkest hour of your life. God is there with you. And, and if you put your faith and trust in him, you will have a home reserved for you in heaven. Nothing on this earth will change that. So we can trust him, and that is the truth that he wants us to understand when we enter that prison of doubt. You can trust Jesus. Let me get to my third point here, what this prison can't stop. And this is good. Look, John is separated. He is locked up. He cannot escape. His freedom has been taken away. He can only eat whatever scraps that they throw at him. And, and he, so he, he, he's lost everything, basically. But here's something that this prison cannot stop. When you're in that place of doubt, here's some things that cannot be stopped. Number one, a word of hope. Look at verse 7. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, what uh, went he out to see. He began to talk about the goodness of John the Baptist. And so he uh, gives him a word of hope. When the disciples of John, had, are, uh, uh, John, they left Jesus. They were returning now to John and to tell him what they had seen and what they had heard. Evidently, these things, uh, what, they, what John heard from these men helped him overcome his doubt. We don't hear of it anymore. But uh, we can be sure that when we are allowed to enter the prison of doubt, the Lord will have a word of hope, a word of encouragement and blessing. We will have exactly what we need. John the Baptist was reminded by the words, whatever Jesus gave to tell, uh, these men to tell John the Baptist, it helped him overcome these doubts and these fears. And it's a word of hope. Now, you and I, we have the written word. Oh, there is no greater hope than that can be found in the pages of God's word. I, whatever you're facing, let me tell you, you get in the Bible and you'll find out that there is hope in spite of what you're going through. That there is uh, a comfort and peace that can be found in spite of all the trials of life. And so Jesus wants you to have a word of hope. Uh, you may feel like you're separated, that you're locked away in this place of doubt and confusion, uh, but Jesus can set you free with a word of hope. 
confidence and joy. When Now, here, John the Baptist is still in prison, but now we don't see him doubting anymore. We see a man of sure of who Jesus is. And then we see another thing that cannot stop is God's plan. Oh, what's going to happen to the plan of God? Uh, surely this wasn't in God's plan for this to happen in my life at this time. And God must have been taken aback uh, 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 by this. And, and, and what's going to happen? No, listen, God's plan, no one can change that. You know, we, we don't have to worry about that. A after John's disciples, they leave, Jesus begins to talk about the greatness of John. Notice how he describes him there, verse 7. He was not a reed shaken by the wind. John was not blown around by, by changing winds of politics and religion. No, he was a, as solid and steady as a rock. Verse 8, he was not a man clothed in soft raiment. John was not looking for the easy life, the easy time. He did not come to rule, but he came as a servant. He came as one who prepares the way for the coming king. Matthew chapter 3 tells us. And then also in verses 9 and 10, uh, Jesus said he's a prophet. And he said he's even more than a prophet. He was the literal fulfillment of, of Old Testament prophecies. Malachi chapter 3 talks about John the Baptist. Verse 11, he was the greatest of those who were born of women. Now, this refers to the great greatness of his character and um, the greatness of his privileges. He was a true man of God. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets and the forerunner of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was somebody very special. The statement, notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's not talking about his character here. A lot of Christians have a, a character that is nowhere near John's, but our privilege far exceeds John the Baptist. He was merely among the friends of the bridegroom. John chapter 3, verse 29, we are told there that all believers, that we are the bride of Christ in 2 Corinthians 11, 2. And those who are part of the church are, are in a greater place, uh, a greater state of privilege. Why did Jesus wait until the disciples of John were gone before he began to talk about the greatness of John? Maybe he didn't want to put that more pressure upon him, the temptation of pride uh, to the burden, the heart of John. But here is what I, I want you to get from this last thought. Heaven does have some secrets. Um, secrets that it doesn't feel the need to share at this time. In other words, you and I don't know everything. We only see in part. We cannot see the, the big picture. We only have the word of God, and not everything is told it, there in the word. We must trust the Lord. Are you willing to trust him anyway in spite of that? In fact, you might live your entire life and never know for sure what the Lord is doing in your life. Are you still willing to trust him? And while you're in that prison of doubt and perplexity um, where you wonder what, is the, what in the world is the Lord doing in my life, you may not get any answers of why or what is happening. And you just need to trust him. Um, know this, that the Lord is always trying to, trying to, like the gold, trying to purify us and allowing us to go through the fires of trials and tribulations 
to refine us, to purify us, that we'll be more like Jesus Christ. But we may not have all the answers. Why? Just trust him. Trust him anyway. So when we want to say good things about people, we, um, we say it to their faces, don't we? We, we, uh, we want them to think good of us, and so we speak well of them. But, but let me, and then, sadly, some people save the bad things to say behind their back. You know, they're into your face, oh, you're the greatest, you're the best. And after you're gone, oh, man, that person, man, you gotta, they're awful. You know, they stabbed you in the back. But no, that's not at all what the Lord does. The Lord here, he says uh, everything good about us even behind our back when we're not there to hear it. Jesus says his best things uh, behind our back. In fact, nothing is hidden with the Lord. But heaven may seem to be a hiding from um from some things from you today. You just don't know what God is doing. You're not sure why he's doing it the way he's doing it. And your, your heart and your mind, it might be filled with doubts and with some fears. I want to encourage you. Bring those doubts to Jesus Christ. Maybe even this morning, come to this altar. Say, Lord, I, I just don't. You don't have to tell anybody else. Just talk to the Lord. He knows your heart. He knows the questions you have. And tell him. And, and just it, it, and on the other hand, he may uh, uh, give you the grace that you need. I mean, he may not give you the answers to the, those questions you have on your mind, but you can still trust him. He'll give you that grace. He'll give you that strength to go on for him. And so if there are needs here this morning, the altar is open. Maybe you're here this morning and you're not saved. You're not in the prison of doubt. You're in the, you're in the prison of the, of the devil. I mean, he's got you locked away where he wants you. And you're headed for hell. But the good news is, Jesus can set you free. Trust him today. Trust him as your savior. Christians, trust him uh, with your doubts and with your fears. Let's bow our heads together and pray.